Welcome to Word of Mouth, where dentists talk about how oral health is related to overall health, which is also known as the oral systemic connection. The information provided on this video is not intended as medical advice and should not be interpreted as such. If you seek medical advice, please consult with a healthcare professional. Also, the information in this video represents the thoughts of the individual speakers, and the views expressed in this interview do not necessarily reflect the views of the IAOMT. Hi, I'm Dr. David Kennedy, and this is Word of Mouth, the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology's podcast on integrative dental medicine. And my guest today is Griffin Cole. We're both past presidents of the IAOMT, and we form the Fluoridation Committee. Griffin, you've just given a wonderful talk about uh, the issue of uh, fluoridation. Uh, I think your title was uh, Fraud and uh, Experiment and uh, <laughs> the... Uh, Fra fallacy, Fraud, Failure. The Fluoridation Experiment. Total. Yeah. And so uh, it went really well. I, I was impressed by all of the uh, citations of the scientific literature you had, but you couldn't find much on the other side? Couldn't find really any. And as I, as I showed, uh, they'll often make bold statements and uh, you'll follow the end note and it'll be a statement or a policy or a recommendation. I, I rarely find an actual scientific. What role did Edward Bernays, uh, Sigmund Freud's uh, nephew? Yeah, I, you know, as, listen, I, this is the teacher interviewing the student, you know, uh, I have to say real quickly that uh, 1993, my first year of practice, I read a book entitled How to Save Your Teeth. It was written by a brilliant author, and that's what really got me on this crusade. I mean, I really, I, 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 I thank you for that, and I also curse you for that. <laughs> but Edward Bernays, as you know, is one of the key players, and, and I think that, um, you know, I don't think most people really realize how, how amazing PR is and how there are masterminds behind how they get people to do things. And Bernays had done so much with cigarettes that, uh, you know, uh, all the people who want to promote fluoride said, let's get them to do this. And they hired the guy, and he got on and, and said, if I could get doctors in white coats, doctors, to say, this is good for you, and one part per million, it's safe, people will buy in. They, they, they respect doctors, or at least they did then. Well, he did the same thing on cigarettes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, that, so what do you really think about fluoride in the drinking water? Do you think that's a good idea? I think it's a very bad idea. And I think that science has shown now, we've got so many studies now, as I showed today, that show that it's not only not safe, it's not effective. It doesn't do its intended function. If you know, they say, we add fluoride to the water, we're going to decrease cavities, it doesn't do that. We've now shown that numerous years, numerous studies. Is it safe? They can't show that it's safe. Never been a study to prove that it's safe. Yet we've shown, as I showed today, you know, over 370 studies showing that the kidney, the liver, the thyroid, everything's affected by this. Enough is enough. Who's the most vulnerable? Children, babies, infants. I mean, you know, especially bottle-fed babies, right? Their, their entire diet is water and formula. So how do you control that dosage? They're getting way too high amounts based on their little tiny body weight. How about a baby in the womb? Is that okay? No, absolutely not. I showed five studies today. Maternal urinary fluoride, as it increases, you see pH, uh, IQ problems on the, on the children after they're born. This is, you know, there's been five studies that were done between Canada and Mexico, and what, over 50 studies, I think, in China, showing these IQ problems from drinking fluoride while the mom's pregnant. Is there anything uh, an individual can do to stop fluoridation? 
Well, you tell me. I mean, you've been fighting this fight longer than me. I mean, I, you know, um, obviously we can try to avoid it in our, in, our, in our lives, drinking bottled spring water, knowing where it comes from, the source. Um, but, you know, you, we bathe in water. Uh, we go to restaurants where we don't know where the water's from. Our, our, our crops are watered with fluoridated water. As I mentioned today, it's the worst pollutant to agriculture. I mean, it's really hard, Dave. I mean, I, you know, the only way to do it is just to stop adding it. What if you're a, a, a working mom and have to feed the baby and can't afford bottled water? God bless you. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. And that's the, you know, um, that latest article that came out in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, they had that exact conversation. Two MDs who thought fluoride was good, they thought fluoridation was good. And they saw the study, they took it through the rigors and thought, this is really good. This is now the fifth time we're seeing something this critical. And they said, you know, I don't know that we should recommend it anymore. And the second doctor said, how do we help low-income families where they can't afford to buy bottled spring water? And I think it was, just, it was such a poignant question because he's basically saying, we need to stop fluoridation. Why do so many dentists love fluoridation? Probably the same reason that, you know, we were taught that in dental school, right? I mean, they, you know, we get hammered into our heads that mercury is a safe material to shove in fillings. Fluoride is good for the teeth. It's the panacea, right? I think you're... Your chapter said panacea or poison, I think, or plague. Panacea or plague. And it was a great title because um, I still see guys, you know, and you see this all the time where you'll talk to a dentist and you feel like, okay, at least this guy's receptive. We're having a conversation. And they'll start to shake their head. And then they'll start to roll their eyes when you start to tell them, well, have you looked at the science? I mean, have you really looked beyond what you were told in school? Because that, those four years are basics. And some of it's harmful because it's not true. So if fluoride uh, in the water damages your kidney, is that an area of medicine that dentists can um, treat? That's a good question. I mean, I think that we can treat it as, uh, as, as far as education and telling them, let's show you what happens to your kidneys. But as far as us treating their kidney disease or, or trying to help them, you know, restore what's been damaged by fluoride without getting them to stop ingesting it altogether, no. So the damage that fluoride causes, other than the funny-looking spotted teeth, is not within the purview of dental care. Right. How did we get to be in charge of the drinking water and allowed to put mass medication in the water? I don't know. I, you know, it's, um, as I mentioned earlier today, I think it started off, I think that, that Dennis McKay had, I think he had altruistic means. I, I did. I, I think he thought, I just want to figure out why these brown stains on kids' teeth in Colorado Springs have less decay than other ones. But boy, they ran with it, didn't they? You got Alcoa involved. They, they hear about that on the East Coast and say, wait a second, we got a fluoride pollution problem. What's going on over there? You get all these other players involved, Harold Hodge, head of the Manhattan Project. Let's get him on screen saying, one part per million is safe, with no science to come up with that. And then you get Ed Bernays, PR. Let's really, let's push this down their throats. And it gets rolling and that's it. I mean, once it gets started, that bandwagon's hard to stop. This sounds like it's a fake government story. It, it, was, was there an ulterior motive behind it, do you think? Well, I think the ulterior motive early on was it was a waste problem. And they, and they could not just dump this stuff in the ground. They knew even then that you cannot, this stuff is toxic. So I do think that it started off, I'm, I try not to get into the conspiracy part of it, but the more you read, the more you look into this, the more you realize there's something going on here. This is not just guys that said, you know what, there's David Kennedy and those guys and Griffin Cole and these other organizations like FAN and they're, they have their science, but we've got ours. Well, let's look at yours then. That's what I tried to do this morning. I looked at your science. There's no science. 
And as you've said many times, there's never been a clinical randomized blind study to show that it works or is effective. And yet everybody runs with this, you know? And it's like, so, uh, uh, you know, you hear the frustration in my voice because it's like I keep looking at these things and it's frustrating and, 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 and I get angry and I'm like, why are we still doing this? So. So when the most recent study showing that uh, the fetus in the womb was, uh, especially if it was male, was severely harmed uh, with a, was it a four and a half point, and a half point yeah. drop in IQ, what was the reaction of the advocates for fluoridation? Did they, did they say, we're sorry, or let's stop it right now, and we'll, what'd they say? With the exception of JAMA, to their credit, those two guys, the editor Christakis is his last name, and Rivera, who said, we should look at this. With the exception of them, ADA came out with their usual rhetoric, oh, that's one study, they said. That was their first reaction. That's just one study. I'm sorry, there were five, and on top of the 30 worldwide IQ studies already, this is not one study. This is one of many showing the same thing. And you're right, a 4.5 IQ drop is pretty significant. And by the way, that, that was boys, but they showed that the girls could have up to a 3.7 with other sources of fluoride on top of fluoridated water. So the girls were also affected. So it's a neurotoxin. It's a neurotoxin. Plain and endocrine disruption? Absolutely. What, what kind of, what's endocrine? What is an endocrine? You tell me. This is your this is your area of expertise. How about a thyroid? Well, let's 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 talk about thyroid. Does it help that make work better? Oh my gosh, you know when you look at the periodic table, right? Now this is going back to our basic chemistry, right? Fluoride's the most powerful halogen on there, right? Well, then you learn that fluoride's actually the most reactive element on the whole periodic table. This is insane, right? It exacerbates the activity of everything and affects things like the thyroid gland. But you need iodine. Isn't it, isn't it just as good as iodine? <laughs> Iodine's, iodine's an essential nutrient. Fluoride is not. What's the antidote for fluoride poisoning? Iodine's a really good one. <laughs> there you go. It's a great antidote. So, so iodine cures the problem that our pollution uh, is causing, or it mitigates the harm of it. Probably say better than cures. Is there anything else that helps, uh, like stop drinking the tap water? That's it. Right? I mean, look, it's a, it, it's a tough issue because let's say, like, like myself, I drink bottled spring water at home and my kids do too. But, you know, and, and we buy organic food, as you mentioned yesterday. That's one way to mitigate this whole gluten issue and all that. I mean, uh, um, this whole glyphosate issue. But you can't control everything you eat. And, and, and like we're bathing here in this hotel. Is this a fluoride-free town? It's not. So we're absorbing it there. So it's really hard. The only way to do this is to stop adding it to the water supply. I think you'd solve everything there. I think that it'd be such an easy thing to fix. Well, when you eat organic foods that are uh, free of pesticide, where does the uh, fluoride come in the uh, non-organic foods? So non-organic foods uh, that are watered with fluoridation or no? Just... It's a pesticide. That's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, so... They use pesticides for everything. And by the way, and you may argue with this, but even organic farmers that are doing their best, that Roundup stuff is airborne and it, and it creeps into their crops too. So I think we're gonna be at a point now where even if we're trying to eat organically, we're probably getting exposed. What do you think are the, the, uh, the standards that we've set up uh, for the water? Is, it, is that a, a real strict standard that the EPA has developed? No, not at all. As I, as I mentioned today too, to have a, uh, a maximum contaminant level goal of four kilograms per liter, uh, that's, too, that, that's too high. It's supposed to be zero. Remember the 
That's what the NRC came up in the 2006 report where they looked at everything, 13 brilliant scientists, and they said, we think it should probably be zero. And it's still at four. Zero? Zero. That sounds like the That's kind the, of water I'd want. Right? It's like arsenic and lead and these other things. We, we, it needs to be at zero. That's the safe level. So I don't understand why, as you intimated, why are we still here? I mean, why, are we, why has nothing changed? I've talked to people that said, well, you know, I've been drinking fluoridated water all my life, and uh, I haven't noticed anything. What do you say to somebody that's giving you that kind of rhetoric? Well, I would say, first of all, I love what you said yesterday where you, some doctor said, you know what, I've been, I've been looking at kids for 50 years in my practice, and I've seen cavity rates go crazy, and you ask him where he's from, Chula Vista. Well, Chula Vista's not fluoridated, <laughs> and it shuts him up. So I love that. Um, and, and by the way, I grew up in San Antonio, so, and, and that was just by fluke that my dad was in the military, and we ended up there, and thank God, because San Antonio was not fluoridated until 2000. So I was long grown up, and I'm very, I'm, I'm just lucky, really, honestly. And I can't believe how lucky I am. But um, it's a problem, Dave. I mean, and as I mentioned today, 3% of the world fluoridates. That's pretty much us. I mean, there's a couple other areas. But 97% of the world doesn't fluoridate. They don't add fluoride to the water. What does that say, those numbers? I mean, it's dramatically, it's insane, right? How did San Antonio suddenly decide they wanted to fluoridate? I mean, you know, it's 2000. They've been doing this for 50 years no. at the time. Why did they decide? Was it the citizens of San, of San Antonio decided, let's go, let's go put this? No. Nope. What, what did they put in the water? No. <laughs> Hydrofluorosilicic acid, waste product from the fertilizer. Easy for you to say. Yes, it's hard. Um, Why did they decide to fight? That's a great question. I can tell you my, my personal experience because I, uh, I was involved in that fight. And I can tell you that they set up several debates where I would show up and I had my stack of science and the opponents never even showed. Okay, Because they knew that once we get into discussion, as you know, you're going to lose that fight. You don't, you don't have anything. We have a lot. And I remember one of my instructors who was a lovely Hispanic female, she got on the radio and started talking in Spanish about how these poor kids were going to be Oh, if you, if you don't do this, your, your teeth are going to rot. No mention of diet, no mention of home care practices, and, it, and that trumped everything. It was amazing. When I would show up at those debates and they didn't show up, I, I was still on camera. They said, do your thing. I talked. The whole crowd would be like, oh, my, we don't want this. We've been smart all along. And all it took was a little bit of, oh, please, and, you know, you're gonna, the kids' teeth are going to rot. And that was it. Is that kind of marketing called fear-mongering? Yes. It's not science, is it? Not science. If they won't debate, how do we get them to hold them responsible? We have elected officials. Yeah. Aren't they representing our interests? No. Not, not when it comes to this. Why not? I don't know. Don't they have money coming from someplace? Well, I think, I, you know, I try not to ever go that way, but, um, but there's, I can tell you in Austin, okay? I, I, this I know for a fact. The CDC, as you know, one of the biggest proponents of water fluoridation. It's them, a private company, isn't it? Them and the, that's right. Them and the ADA, right? You, the CDC gave Austin, Texas, $9 million in 2012 for a smoking cessation program. $9 million. First of all, Austin's a smoke-free city. And you can't smoke in anybody. <laughs> so you think they spent that $9 million doing smoking cessation, or you think they said, hey, we got $9 million. They're not going to bite the hand that feeds them. And that's where, that's where I can tie the money. For sure. Now you may know more about Mosaic and what's going on with that. I don't know. I've, I've tried to find if, if there's a trail, a little money trail of what happens to that. But I can tell you, like in Austin, it's $900,000 a year to Florida, $900,000 to add a caustic chemical that's dangerous to you. In Austin, we're, we're doing pretty well. So they're like, $900,000 is nothing. 
small towns, as you've noticed, all over the country are starting to stop doing it, right? Or they're not starting in the first place because money is an issue. So, Did uh, Tooth Decay go down in the Hispanic children in the poor area of Austin after sure. they added fluoride? San Antonio. Uh, well, I'm a, oh yeah, wrong, yeah. wrong town. Wrong. Well, you know, That's a, Texas, yeah. Austin, it's a big place. Austin been fluoridated since 1971. I still see decay all the time in my practice. But San Antonio, to your point, no, it actually went up. The Metro Health Department did a pretty good study. They spent $3 million, and they were looking at intake to see did cavities increase. They talked to dentists. They talked to families. And it had actually increased 13% after stopping fluoridation nine years later. Hmm. That's a... Starting fluoridation. Starting fluoridation. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the, the total money that's spent on fluoridation in this United States if you had that wad of cash, it's about a billion dollars. Yeah. Could, could you fix every cavity that was ever seen? <laughs> no way. And, you know, you bring up a good point, too, because they talk about, you know, the, the proponents will talk about how it's a cost savings to fluoridate, right? We're going to fix less teeth. We're going to save money. And I know you've done a, a long study. So actually, it's super expensive, right, to, to fix the teeth that have fluorosis. Super expensive. I mean, I've done some full mouth cases. And you know this, Dave. And, and I don't know why the proponents don't agree to this because we know this is true. I've seen this in my hands. Those teeth are brittle. I mean, they are chalky and brittle. And you just got to stop at some point, right? You can't just keep prepping because you got to pick a place to stop. It's just chalky all the way around. And it's sad because you fix those teeth and, yeah, you fix their smile, but did you, just, did you just put a Band-Aid on it, you know? And that's exactly what we do. And does the Band-Aid stay on forever? No. No. Those teeth are brittle, as I mentioned. You got to fix them again where the teeth break or rot. I mean, and that's the issue is, so, okay, so you're saying, let's just say they're right. Let's say that, that it actually decreases caries. At what expense? I mean, that's just the cosmetic thing that we see. We know damn well there's tons of systemic effects that happen. This is the outward physical thing that we finally see. It's, it's uh, Sauerheber who wrote that, third, you know, third, it took him 14 years, that long study, he actually said, he goes, you know, at, at what expense is all this worth it? I mean, we're destroying teeth. And that's just the cosmetic part. What's going on here in the body? So Teeth and brains, who needs them? Yeah, teeth and brains. <laughs> so in the community uh, sort of approach, what do you recommend? So it is grassroots thing. So, I mean, like in Austin now, we're finally changing our tune because I, I you know, we try to fight with city council to no avail. We, we got a lawyer involved to no avail. Um, it is a grassroots thing. I think if you can educate before ADA gets involved or, or people with a lot of money and, 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 and educate and get signatures or referendum or whatever, that's how I think you get it off or get it out. Like Portland did, right? Portland, Oregon, large town. They just got the people involved and that was it, you know, and that's, and, and you get some experts like, a, like ourselves to get on there and give proper scientific testimony and hope that it's enough. Because I'm telling you, once you start talking about this in a town and things are rolling, word gets out. And all of a sudden, you see a lot of stuff the other way. A perfect example of this, San Antonio newscast was interviewing me uh, four or five years ago. And we were on the phone talking. It was a reporter, and he was asking me questions. And I, and I said to him, I said, I'm surprised you haven't heard from like the ADA or, or at least the TDA. And he goes, hang on a second. He goes, I'm getting a call. And he goes over, and he, he came back. He goes, it's the ADA. And I went, oh, my God. And he goes, how did you know? I go, I just, I didn't know they were gone right now. He goes, I got to go. So there's a big pushback from trade associations that uh, get money 
from people that sell fluoride products to dentists. Yeah, and you can probably talk more about that. You know a lot about that than I do. But unfortunately. I, unfortunately. Yeah. That's why they won't debate. Yeah. They're dirty. Yeah. Yeah, they don't fight fair. And, and listen, we do. I mean, again, if you want to sit down with me and we have a conversation and you can show me something, my, my mind is malleable. I will listen. And if you can convince me and, I, and I'll go, wow, that sounds, sounds science. Nobody have, to this day, nobody has. And as I showed today, I gave some kudos to the ADA. They are scratching out some of the rhetoric that they've used for 50 years. So I think, I think their hands being forced. But nonetheless, they are doing it. Now, let's just see how far this goes, though. I don't think it's going to go as far as I want. Is that information available to the general public? No, it's not. And it's not even available to ADA members unless you pay extra. Oh, you got to pay extra to get the truth? Or was it, it wasn't even the truth, was it? Well, I had to search deep. I mean, it's in there. I mean, they do have a list of all their meetings and stuff and, and their policies or whatever they're doing. But yeah, as I mentioned to you, I had to get a buddy's co code and, and then he had to pay uh, to get access to their facts. Is, is there any evidence that uh, dental fluorosis is a benefit? No, <laughs> not at all. And it's, it, and it's silly to even think that. I What's mean, the largest growth industry in dentistry? Uh, cosmetic dentistry. So it's a benefit to their members. That's true. That's true. But I would, uh, now I'm not an ADA member, so I can't speak to, to all that's going on. I never really felt that they were doing things for the members. I mean, uh, very little anyway. At least they did their policies and legislation and all that. But I don't know that if you were a full-fledged ADA member and you got in some kind of trouble that they'd have your back. Does the uh, income of dentists in Florida communities go down? <laughs> no, I think it goes up. I've seen dentists claim that it was going to destroy their business by preventing tooth decay and they were good people for doing that. Is that what happens? No, not at all. My goodness. And you know, I never really realized too, because you know, I've been in Austin now for 26 years as a dentist and I'm seeing more and more fluorosis. I mean more and more every day. Before it was, you know, in the, in, you know back in the early 90s, mid 90s, I'd see a, you know, a case here or there. I saw a couple of severe cases. But I'm telling you, Dave, I, I, I would say, and this is no joke, I would say probably 75% of the people I see have fluorosis that were born and raised in Austin. 75%, maybe more. Is there a study or something that's come out uh, showing an increase in dental fluorosis in the United States? Well, there's, there's been several studies, but the NHANES review, as I mentioned earlier, uh, now the National Health and Examination Survey or whatever it is, something like that, that uh, this group that looks at all the data, right? They, you hand them the data, they, they study it, they do surveys, they, they do their, their due diligence. And they're now showing from 41% back in 2012-ish to 65% now. And as I mentioned, there are some scientists that are looking in to make sure those numbers are accurate because that's what we do. We don't run with something. That sounds like a big jump in a few years. Let's make sure. So I love that. You know, it's like, and, and that's what I shared. If, if something comes out that seems too, then we look at it again. And that's what Haynes is doing. That's what Chris Nurath is doing, actually, on his part uh, from Yale. So he's... He, He's got guys like Hardy Lineback and Bill Osmondson, uh, and they're looking at to make sure are those numbers accurate because it's way too high. And the severe cases jumped to 30.4%. Moderate and severe jumped from a very low number, 1.2 early on, to over 30% now. What is severe dental fluorosis? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the bad looking. It's the stuff real chalky, the brown, the white. I mean, it's high amounts, right? It's like it, they've been so exposed that you could basically take an explorer and just flick away pieces of enamel. I but mean, the amount didn't, the uh, fluoridation in the water didn't change. Is there other exposures? Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that, 
thank you for making the point of this whole conversation is that there's too much exposure, right? It's in our food. It's in our water. It's, in, it, it, it's added to stuff now too, right? It's like it's in medications, right? A lot of medications, the fluoroquinolones. Anything where you see the word fluoro is fluoride. And it's in a lot of stuff. So we are over-inundated, over-inundated with fluoride. What's a fluoroquinolone? So that is a, well, uh, Prozac, things like that. Any kind of drugs that are anti-anxiety, antidepressants, things like that, they add fluoride. Fluoride has an effect on the brain. <laughs> well, I know. Fluoride, as you know, is added to these things because it, exa it exacerbates the activity of everything, right? It exacerbates the, 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 the action of anything on the body but not in a good way. And so that's the problem. And you know, we've got fluoride. I mean, uh, it, it's too much. It's everywhere. Well, thank you for sharing your uh, in, insights into the fluoridation issue. And uh, Thank you. It was an honor to be here with you. Well, it's a, it, and, and plug in my old book. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it's one of the best. I wrote that to try to change dentistry and, and obviously- it, Well, you affected on, one life. It, I mean, so. And through you, several thousand patients. So there you go. My pleasure uh, talking with you today. And you. Uh, you know, more information you can find uh, on the IAOMT website. It's wordofmouth.iaomt.org. This podcast has been brought to you by the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, the IAOMT. The IAOMT strives for safer dentistry and a healthier world. We are a network of over 1,000 dentists, health professionals, and scientists who research dental products and practices, including the risks of mercury fillings, fluoride, root canals, and jawbone osteonecrosis. We are a nonprofit organization and have been dedicated to our mission of protecting public health and the environment since we were founded in 1984. You can learn more about us at www.iaomt.org and www.thesmartchoice.org. Com. The information provided on this video is not intended as medical advice and should not be interpreted as such. If you seek medical advice, please consult with a healthcare professional. Also, the information in this video represents the thoughts of the individual speakers and the views expressed in this interview do not necessarily reflect the views of the IAOMT 